The stockings were hanged by the Qingmi with care. That just sounds wrong. <laughs> well, it is wrong. It is wrong. Oh, Dave, I love you. That was absolutely brilliant. It's two fat morons save the world. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome back to Two Fat Morons. I'm Terry. He's Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello. How's it going? And we're joined once again and, uh, by our fabulous uh, uh, crack team of researcher. That would be the immortal J Dub. Say hello, wow, J Dub. Crack team of researcher. That's yep. that's fascinating. He's a team of Doesn't, one. He's taking into account the multiple people <laughs> up there. That's the first person yep. to do that. And the odd thing is, there's no I in team, and somehow you've managed to do that. But there's a me if you jumble it up and ignore the other half. <laughs> exactly. There you go. And there's meat. Yeah, exactly. So normally, guys, we're out to save the world. And last, our last episode, I think we actually made a dent in saving the world and i think we're gonna do that today too but we're gonna have some fun with it today so what are we out to do boys we are out to save the world one more on at a time and today we're joined by a very special guest star we're going to talk about words. We're going to talk about linguistics. We're going to talk about word origins, language, English. all kinds of fun stuff. Um, English. I know my English very, very well. <laughs> I yes. learned it from a book. And uh, Dave, uh, I, believe you, I believe you have a personal relationship of sorts with our guest. Why don't you uh, tell us uh, who's joining us today? Today our guest is... Carolyn Freeman, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for making room for an old lady. <laughs> not a problem. You're not that much older than me. <laughs> if any, Carolyn is a speech-language oh, pathologist. Oh, she oh. is a speech-language language pathologist. I can't even get those words out. She's a college professor in the therapist assistant program and linguistics. Uh, you're on the school board. <laughs> I am. And you're currently teaching a language and literacy program at our local college, Medicine Hat College. So you are well-learned in uh, all things English language and all sorts of, and speech and words and... A self-proclaimed word nerd. Or as we would oh. say, she is our miscommunication. <laughs> miscommunication. And, and Dave, 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 there's always room for an old lady. There's... <laughs> Isn't that what Mary <laughs> want you to say? There's always room for a fine old lady. Someday maybe we'll Well, have now one. that that moment of awkwardness is behind us forever, we can move on. Uh, it's in the title. So, Carolyn. Yes. It's in the title. Carolyn, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, language, man? Like, let me give you something to start off with, a couple of things here. Sure. Um, a lot of people are aware that uh, I'm a fan of um, Anthony Burgess, who, you know, wrote uh, a fantastic book. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, which was turned into turned into a film. Yeah, and Alex. I was explaining to Dave and to um, uh, J Dub there that that book, when you read it, it teaches you a whole new language by the end of it. And the way that Burgess does it, it's, it's absolutely brilliant because the first two chapters, he's throwing words at you that you have no idea what they mean. But then he goes into great detail in the next paragraph to explain exactly what it is he's talking mm -hmm. about. Right. And he teaches you a whole new NADSAT language. I remember growing up in the 70s and, and 80s in high school and things. That was a thing. We were all kind of trying to be cool, talking NAD, you know, talking NADSAT to each other in in, uh, in the hallway. So the ever since then, for me personally, 
the whole idea of the history of language and where it comes from, I know enough that it comes that our language comes from something called a like um, archaic or ancient Anglo-Saxon. You know, tell us a little bit about that. But uh, you know, I want to um, just kind of hear a little bit more about sort of where does our language come from. Give us a Reader's Digest condensed version of, what of the last seven thousand yeah. years. Tell, tell, tell us the history of the English language, but keep it short. From the please. Indo-European language of five thousand BC. So no, I'm I'm actually going to fast forward just, a little no bit to no to when you talked about Clockwork Orange and and new languages and language constructions and and. It's fascinating to me, too, because we have a language that really there are only 44 plus or minus two sounds in the English language, but there are definite rules about how they can be combined. And so authors take great pleasure and and wonderful inventive imaginations to create new words that still follow the grammatical rules that we have in terms of how those sounds can be combined. So Burgess certainly did it. It, There's another language in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Certainly Dr. Seuss was a a master of it. You have Darthraki and Klingon and and uh, two elfin languages mm. in uh, Lord of the Rings. So authors have been doing this, but following the rules of English if they're a book like Clockwork Orange, but not following the rules and making up new ones for uh, that have non-English sounds like Darthraki. And so it's fascinating how you can have almost an infinite number of combinations with a finite number of rules. There, how's that? I, I actually have a question to build off of that. When's it, how, how old are those 42 plus or minus so many rules? How, how far back is that? Do we add oh. to that lexicon of, of sounds the same way we add to words in the dictionary? Well, actually, yes, uh, because if you are uh, bored one day and want to listen to the Canterbury Tales in Old English, you will certainly notice that even vowel sounds have changed a great deal mm. over time. There was actually a period of history called the Great Vowel Shift, and uh, part of the uh, our spelling still reflects that. For example, double vowels you said is double vowels, so goose would be goose, and uh, goose, and uh, so now it's then it just changed to be one single tense vowel and then because somebody we're, because dis- we're lazy yeah as well assimilation <laughs> certainly is part of it so yeah we have had lots so what you're talking about here carolyn is basically just one massive vowel movement yes indeed here. that's exactly exactly <sighs> what wah, it was wah. yeah and it just flushed out the language <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Oh, oh, oh she's 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 quick, uh, Dave. She's sorry, quick. I died for a second there. I don't know why that one got to me. Yeah. Remind remind me about that old lady part again, Dave. Huh? Remind me. So oh. what? So tell me about some of the oldest words in our language. Like I, um, I, I'm 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 danger. I know enough to be a little bit dangerous. Beowulf and Grendel, and I only got interested in that. Because of, and I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but Michael Crichton wrote a book called Eaters of the Dead, mm-hmm. which is the Beowulf, he wrote it in Old English, to the, which is basically the Beowulf and Grendel story, but done in a way that actually makes it sound like it's realistic with Vikings and 
and uh, Indian tribes in, in Newfoundland, if I'm not mistaken, yada, yada. But a lot of the words that came out of the Norse language, you know, are the basis of ours. Words like, like um, ah, we, they, those kinds of things. Yes. Plunder. <laughs> Plunder. <laughs> Ravage, pillage, yes, our normal vowels. Talk a little, can you yep. tell us a little bit about that? Well, we have word, English is, although it uh, started as a Germanic language, and actually you could even go back as far and talk about Jacob Grimm, who, when he was uh, collecting fairy tales to look at what was happening in the German language and the language German culture, he was also a linguist, and so he was looking at the structure of the language while he was collecting these fairy tales. So he was one of the first kind of linguists to look at, at Germanic languages. English is an offshoot of Germanic language. Uh, it's not a romantic language. It doesn't have its roots at all in Latin, even though there's lots of Latin that has yeah. been imported. English is a huge has a huge number of borrowed words. And part of that is because of the pillaging and oh. plundering and the, the Anglo-Saxons and, mm. and William the Conqueror and the arrow in the eye business well. and, uh, and King Alfred, too, maintaining his English. A great, a great man once said, if we, if we come from the Germanic language, a great man once said, anybody who speaks German can't possibly be bad. <laughs> right, Dave? Well, I, I agree. Question mark? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Why not? Of, of course, there's never been anyone who's spoken English that has been bad either. So let's. Uh... <laughs> so let's. Uh, yeah, moving on. But we are just full of awkward moron moments today. You know why, hmm. gentlemen? Oh, why's that? You know why? Why? We have a lady because we have a lady on the show for the first Ooh. time today. A lady. Mm-hmm. Where is she? Ooh, a lady. Yeah, really. <laughs> I know well Carolyn played. well enough to know. Well no. Awesome. So some of the oldest words in the English language, I, well, okay. we, I, we, like, these are inclusive languages. They describe me. They describe us. Uh, what does it say? Who, two, and three are some of the oldest languages. I don't know what happened to one. Maybe one wasn't one of the oldest ones. Or two. Or uh, two. Maybe one and I were the same. That, that's possible. Oh, Absolutely. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, words talking about me and words talking about so, you. Hmm. And if I can ask on top of that, and I meant to say this before, but how much do we get from Latin and things? Because I, I know going into my old university studies, like uh, the Romans didn't have words for yes and no. They had words for that is so and that is not so. That doesn't really translate into yes and no, right? So like where where do we get the combination of different sort of dialects and languages coming together to form what, what we consider modern English today? It's all part and parcel of the same question, right? Well, it is. And it's, it's really interesting when you start to organize and classify different words. So, for example, lots of the um, words for government and law are French-derived. Um, you have the difference between the meat and the animal, and the, the meal or the meat is usually French, and the animal is not. Uh, you have uh, medical words being more from Greek and Latin. You have, uh, mm. it was very much, a, you know, some kind of soup of mixing things. And it definitely came from classes and, and social strata mm. and, and um, like uh, geography. Well, and one of the things, and you kind of said it a second ago there, differentiating between the meat and the animal, wasn't there also a, um, 
royals versus peasantry differentiation between that two like oh absolutely uh, upper class uh, and lower class yeah, language right? like yeah. mutton versus lamb and beef versus uh uh steak or like cow. The, the cow, cow like the, there there was there was different words to try and separate that if i'm not <laughs> well mistaken. mutton comes from mouton which is french for lamb or right. sheep and uh beef is boeuf and mm-hmm. so i pork is pig so, so did they derive any words from us? <laughs> the well, I think that the, because of the ease of of communicating amongst peoples of the world, there are certainly many, many cross references and words that are being imported and exported all the time. Um, so, they, you know, we have it's in uh, in French in France, for example, it's a hot dog and not dog, and in Quebec, it's not. Chien uh, Show mm-hmm. is what it is, and and fr- in France, your stop signs say stop, and in Quebec, they don't. So you have mm-hmm. this linguistic isolate. In France, French. the stop signs say stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would that be because of not necessarily a language well, thing, but just the, the yeah, the an international. <laughs> you know, there's so many. I mean, in Europe, there's so many different cultures and languages mm-hmm. all packed together. They kind of have to commingle. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. at least I guess they used to. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's language is and words are these marvelous uh, symbols because that's what they are. A word is a, merely a symbol that uh, are constantly changing and evolving and moving and importing and exporting and becoming part of, of culture and becoming part of of so certainly social media has changed things too you change a huge change in the language with social media i think i'm probably one of the only people i know that texts in grammatically correct sentences (laughs) i do as well i was gonna say i'll add to that list yeah i would too i make a specific point of not saying to you with numbers and a letter i actually use commas i actually use periods in my texting and you know try to and we'll have maintain. a wake for the adverb <laughs> the wake for the adverb exactly yes yeah. so so moving on from that and segueing then so there's a whole plethora there's plethora. a word that's a great there's word a plethora of english words that's a great word i love words too um, anti-disestablishmentarianism is probably one of my favorite words in the English language. But I digress. Um, words like, uh, oh, I don't know, what's some, some, of, some of the weird ones that have come into our language, like awesome sauce. Yeah, or, new words. Um, <laughs> onboarding. That's a great one. Yeah. Like these new words. Um, twink. Twink. Dongle. My kids are using um, a new word. What were some of these? My kids are like, using a new word now. They play a game on the Android called uh, Among Us, and now the, the word is sus. You are so sus. You're really sus, like because it's. I a, never it's, even. It's a game. Yeah, I never even heard that yeah, until you told me that. It's, Dave. it's a game where one of the players is the imposter, right? And they have to go around and whatever. But everyone's saying sus, like you're suspect. You know, mm. I don't trust you. You're so sus. And I mean, it's we're seeing a lot of these abbreviated terminology, especially in the new English, um, or new English. Maybe it's not. It's kind of a slang slang terminology i suppose Mm -hmm. it's just natural for us to give nicknames to words right i mean even back in the old days when contractions started didn't for did not aren't Mm -hmm. for are not you know it's just we said them fast i did not i didn't you know 
Yeah. Do, Do we something. know when that started to come into uh, like favor or anything like that? When that started to no the contractions I yeah. yeah it probably just evolved over time who knows yeah that's you can you it's can just before I'll, labor I'll <laughs> well guys I I was fifty two years of age before I realized that ament wasn't a word ament I ament I ament I had to hear someone well, use getting, that in a sentence to follow it yeah getting back to words like awesome sauce like portmanteau words we've had for a very long time where you take two words and smush them together to make one and uh, uh, one of my very favorite words isn't even a word and that's splentastic yes yeah, splentastic yes yeah, splendorifus scrumptious oh, splendid and fantastic splendiferous and so those are words that have fantabulous come in. and Shakespeare was Shakespeare was an expert at that at making up so words? it's not it's not new what? oh I'm sure yeah well he, well, so he tell us brought in that. a bunch of new words yeah he did and lots of new phrases he he brought in. Uh, however, there are ten thousand more words in the English language now than there were in Shakespeare's time. Sorry, so. who who's he? Who who are we talking about? William Shakespeare. William talking about Shakespeare. Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. William oh, never heard of him. Sorry. Shakespeare. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So he died a couple of years never ago. A man by any other name. So. <laughs> well, he he coined the term elbow. And not the not the noun elbow, but to elbow somebody. Right. He yeah. used a lot of, and we do, still do. He he changed a lot of nouns into verbs, and we do that all the time because now you can Google somebody, or I Googled it, or Facebook me, or you know I I TikToked it, <laughs> and so we're constantly or something something got verbifying. So yeah. He, so but. The the word the word of the year two years ago to along that vein Carolyn was plutoed, plutoed to, to to be plutoed meant to, to be, be Pluto. um, poor Pluto demoted in status. <laughs> yes, yeah. poor Pluto. Yeah. So. Well, I think even if you look so at what, this last so what, year, going back to Shakespeare, what? It, oh, going back to Shakespeare. I was going to talk about going back to this year. How many words have been added and sure. phrases have been added to the English language? We mm. never talked about social distancing or. or you know, the COVID and things like that, or, you know, things that are shortened I'm, forms. I guess medical terms well, like COVID we, we have a, are, yeah. are created to fit these new things, so they have to come up with these words. Well, and I'm, There's a I methodology can, I was going to say, it. I can kind of speak to that for a second. I mean, like, COVID is, is like the coronavirus D ID. type. Yeah. The, ID-19. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so it, it is like a, 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 a just mishmash. a shorten of uh, several words, and that does happen fairly often. In well, it's like scuba terms. and radar, right? Yeah. Which oh, are acronyms for yeah, and COVID is an acronym. Yeah. Laser, I believe. Laser light amplification by the stimulated emission of radiation. Well, there you there go. There we go. <laughs> I think I'm losing my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop. Scuba. Um, scuba was that was a uh, Jacques Jacques Cousteau's self-contained under, underwater breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and the fire department uses SCBA, which is not underwater; mm-hmm. it's overwater. So they didn't yeah. call it scuba. So yes, you wanted to go back to Shakespeare. Who doesn't? <laughs> okay, so I've got I've got some words. Well, that just were some invented. examples of words uh, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got some words here that were invented by Shakespeare. Well, that's exactly what. What uh, Terry is wanting and to know. Words that you wouldn't think were invented, especially in liter- literature, but bandit, mm-hmm. uh, critic, 
Dauntless. Critic? Critic. Yeah, that was short-sighted. Dauntless? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dwindle. Um, and lackluster, among others. Lonely. Interesting. Yeah, that's no. that's really, really interesting. Just words really? that we Lonely? consider English language, yeah. Fascinating. Well, yeah. and and it's it's still going on. We talked a, a little bit about creating languages, but authors are always creating names, like your names of your characters. Bilbo Baggins certainly was not a a, a word until. Well, <laughs> is it a game. word? Are names words though? I mean, you talked about oh, Beowulf. They you are. Talked, like, are they words? They're oh, proper no. nouns. But they're oh. not in the dictionary. No. Yeah. No, we can we can have a whole podcast oh, yes, on Tolkien indeed. for sure, and how he how he actually came up with all of the concepts of mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Try just try, and I'm sure Carolyn's done this, but Dave, J Dub, Jeremy, just try and read the Silmarillion and see if you can follow that thing because most of it is a primer mm-hmm. for um, Elvish, so the the Elvish language. It's it's really 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 two? dry, but if you can get through it. So, yeah, and the, you, if you can get through it, you'd be amazed. By the end of it, you're understanding a whole entirely made-up mm-hmm. language, and uh, that, that and that's not unusual. Uh, Theodore Herzl invented Hebrew based on you know very you know very very similar things. And we were you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Carolyn. We were talking earlier about some words that may not have existed previously. Like uh, I can speak about Hebrew, like the word aeroplane didn't exist for you know, a hundred years between, you know, the 1860s and, and whenever, I mean, stuff like that gets brought into modern languages too, right? So when I hear something like lackluster as a Shakespearean term, that kind of astounds me because mm-hmm. um, that just seems like such a um, bougie, bourgeois word to us these days. And to think that that's a Shakespeare term is kind of mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, these words like aeroplane, television, I mean, they're words that were invented when that technology came to exist, right? Microwave. <laughs> well, when you th- when you think too, and you were asking about things like Latin and things like Greek, and and you take apart a word like telescope, and you know, tele means from a distance, and scope mm. means to see or to so, or and same with television, or uh, those those are are almost those kind of uh, portmanteau words or putting words together where you have a a uh, a prefix that means something, and then what a, a root word or something, and you're pushing them together. Like submarine is underwater, so it's uh, it's fascinating to me how words are continually evolving, and which ones stick through time, and why might that be? Why are why do we actually uh, want uh, that kind of segues nicely into our next segment? But we'll finish off with this one. But keep that in mind, Carolyn, because that's exactly what we're going to talk about next: is words that are disappearing from the language. But uh, again, I digress. That's right. It behooves us to. <laughs> well, there's our segue there. So let's talk about. <laughs> it us to there's a ton of words. <laughs> let's talk about our segue. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. First, Dave. Oh, we have Dave, a we have a wait a minute. Dave. Dave, the word segue. Segue. Where the hell does that come from? Yeah, it's that thing that Notes you uh, that you stand on and you ride around. 
Yeah, and who decided how to spell it? Oh, of course! <laughs> way. It's Seg- spelled exactly Segu- the way it sounds. <laughs> yeah. That's a French word, is it not? Segway, like the word Q in the British English, the word Q to line up. Mm-hmm. Is that a French word? Q? Sure. Q? Well, Q means tail in French. Barbecue. Yeah. So barbecue means barbe en Q yeah. in French from beard to tail, which would be how you you put a, a a, a pig on a spit. Yeah. Pig on a spit From and barbecue, tail. or which we would tra- we would shorten to BBQ in English, but barbecue means barbecue. And then why is, uh, is it grill in the States? Is it to grill? They don't use the term barbecue? No, the grill, it's not even to grill. The no, they grill do not. grill is the, the instrument of But I guess that's interesting. Then we talk about dialects, right? Like English dialects. You know, you, you think about... Um, Chinese dialects, and these are these are offsets of the language that are relatively hard to translate, even within you know from one dialect to the other. Separated by a common language, right? But are there? Do we have English dialects that? Oh, absolutely. That we? I mean, I, I mean, apart from talking to a Newfoundlander, where it's kind of hard to understand, or or um, uh, an, an Irish person who's speaking in a very deep Irish accent, but they're still speaking the language. They're still speaking mm-hmm. English. Um, you know, what kind of dialects would we, as North American English people, have a hard time understanding within English? Scottish. Sorry. Go to Louisiana, Dave. Yeah. I Any, guarantee in the you, southern you will states? not be able to understand Acadians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guarantee it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's, that's actually a really interesting question. And... The, uh, in, uh, again, it's like, yes, that's so fun to think about. Mm-hmm. That an accent is certainly just a difference of pronunciation of different words. And so you have lots of English speaking countries and lots of, of, you know, different variants of English, but you also have different dialects within that. And a dialect is, it's different because it has a different vocabulary and a different structure. And certainly African-American English is its own dialect. And there was an interesting, for sure. Um, podcast that I listened to recently about uh, the changes in uh, African American English and non. Uh, Newfoundland is another very interesting example because for several hundred years it was isolated Mm -hmm. and so that became a, a, a linguistic isolate where the language on Newfoundland evolved in its own way separate from the language of English language evolving around it. And it's a, if I correct me if I'm wrong, it's a derivative of the Irish because it was right. the Irish that came across. And you can mm-hmm. you can really hear parallels of someone who's speaking in an Irish accent and someone who's speaking Newfoundland. Right. I've got some Newfoundland phrases here. Oh. I'm going to read them. Now, I'm from back east. I I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> now you can translate them for me, okay? Are you ready? Sure. Um I'm just about gut founded. I'm just about gut founded. I'm very hungry. Gut founded. Gut, oh, gut, gut founded. founded. Yes, by yes, by fire up a scoff. <laughs> a scoff. Make up some food. Yep, a whole scoff. Yep. Whole scoff. A, a whole Which, mess. Of, then it's like I'm gonna. He scoffed his meal. He scoffed his meal. Fire up a scoff. What was the one I found that was great? Um... Yes, by I dare say, but narn. I didn't say anything. 
<laughs> yes, I expect I am, but there's no fish. <laughs> Narn being a contract form of Naria one. Yes, Boy. bye. I dare say, but Narn. Narn. <laughs> like in Narnia. <laughs> I know that the very popular Broadway musical Come From Away is comes from a Newfoundland term, too. It's fabulous. Yep. Right. What do you at? Like, like, no, like nobody talks that you? way here. Yep. Like, people, people don't come from away, right? Yeah. What do you at? Is Yard at it all the time or what? Anyway. What does that mean? No one can see my face, and I'm very sorry for anybody <laughs> out east. I can't follow uh, a single I'm one of sorry, these, Dave. man. Holy jeez. It was very. No, I, I, um, I, that's just a little too wild for so, me. We got to move so, on. Well, so, well, I, I have a, I have a story <laughs> about that because it's just it's so true. Because uh, when uh, Terry, my husband, and I got married, we drove across Canada from Vancouver to Newfoundland, and he really wanted to go to wow. the to Lancel Meadows in northern Newfoundland. So at that point, we drove the Viking up establishment, right? The west coast of Newfoundland. And seriously, the further north we went, or the farther north we went, the less like English it sounded. We didn't go to major centers mm. like St. John's or, or Gander. We were mm. very, very rural. And it the language became uh, more and more of its archaic form. Hmm. And linguistically, it was fascinating. Terry spent a lot of times going, um, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. Pardon yeah. me. <laughs> and I went into clinical mode. I'm like, okay, where are the patterns? Where, how can mm -hmm. we deconstruct this language? So, no, it was fascinating. It was and it, very true. Yep. I have a similar story, but with a twist. And I'm going to tell it really quickly. Um I lived in North Carolina in Raleigh for a couple of years, and when I first got there, um, the people that I was staying with uh, asked me to go see why there was a work crew on the front lawn of the house in uh, the uh, Falls of Noose area where uh, we were staying. This is, in, this is in North Carolina, which is, it's south, but it's not south-south, right? But anyway, I, I went out there and I said, um, in, in probably what sounded like the best King's English. Um, oh, excuse me, old boy, but would you mind terribly telling me why you're digging in the front yard of my friend's home? To which he replied, Well, yeah, got this here a while, man. Break yeah, I got to dig down about 35 feet, then we got to fix it up. You know what I mean? And I just kind of looked nope. at him and said, <laughs> Pardon? And he said, Well, you know, got this water main break down here. You got to go dig down about 35 feet, got to go fix water main break. Know what I mean? And I said, uh, about 7.30, I couldn't understand a word this guy was saying. But I was there for two years. And the, literally the day that I got back, there's a word that's said way too much, by the way, literally, but with the I digressing. We'll get into that. When I got back, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I got back to Toronto and uh, one of my friends picked me up, um, she asked me, so how was your uh, time in North Carolina? And I looked at her and I said, Man, let me tell you about North Carolina. Those people talk really funny. They talk really fast. I can't really understand goddamn word they're saying. That's how I sounded to her. That was after two years. <laughs> right? The point that I'm making is if you stay somewhere long enough, you're going to end up sounding like that. And I've lived a long time in the States, and people come back, or when I come back from wherever I'm at, Chicago, um, Boston, or New York, or Washington, or especially, you know, California, like, oh my God, quickly get me a Perrier and a BMW. 
People say I come back with an accent all the time. I mm-hmm. don't hear it. You probably do. But tell me about that, Carolyn. Is that a th- is that a, is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Uh, I I have experienced it. I have certainly had uh, friends and colleagues in the same situation as you just described, where they have lived somewhere else, and you talk speak with them on the phone, or they come back, and they don't realize that they have picked up an accent. And it, the thing that you pick up the, the mo- most quickly is the cadence or the melody of the mm-hmm. language around you. And I have to be really careful if I go to the UK, for example, because I pick up the cadence <laughs> really quickly. And then, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm mocking Mm-hmm. Yep, I do that else. too all the time. And, all the time. And I ha- had to really watch that when I was in um, Newfoundland, and I had to really watch that when we were in Louisiana and, and the Deep South, because you just you just pick up that melody and you pick up that rhythm. And I don't know whether it's because I do a lot of music and that's how I hear a language at first, but it you do, and you also accents reside in the vowels not in the consonants in English. And that's why when people sing, you don't sing with an accent. You're also so, interested in language, too. I you're am. interested. You're a studier of language. So listening to it, you're getting into the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I have a love affair with, with accents. And, I mean, as you know, I, I do a lot of accents. Not well, mind you. But I, I on stage and in theater, I do a lot of accents. I, I did a show uh, a few years ago called 39 Steps. And I think in that show, I did five different accents. Um, and it's fun. I'm not good at it. But it's, <laughs> it's fun to do and to pretend that. But... Um, I'm from the east coast of Canada. I'm from Nova Scotia. And, and every time we go back, my wife says, I know you're going to come back in Nova Scotia because I start. Like, I worked in radio for a long time and I kind of worked out this, you know, I kind of worked in this this North American standard accent, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, what we would say is no accent at all, which is completely mm-hmm. self-serving. Um <laughs> Well, well, self-centered to say, well, I have no accent. Um, but when when I go back home and I come, you know, it's like, oh, okay, how's she going by? Yeah, it comes out. <laughs> comes out. It's like every time when I go visit my family in the States and, you know, you start talking to strangers and stuff and they're like, I love your accent. I, I always look at them sideways every time. Like, what are you you're talking from, about? You're from Canada, aren't you? I, yeah. Sometimes I can't yeah, even get I, that. They're just like, like Minnesota or something like that. Minnesota? Like, no, no, from Canada. But I don't. You don't hear it. It's amazing when you're in it. You don't hear it. <laughs> well, everyone. <laughs> by definition, Minnesota. everyone has an accent. <laughs> everyone does have an accent. <laughs> yeah. And the Australians love the North, like love a Canadian accent. Mm-hmm. And I love an Australian say, accent. It's Australian. my favorite I, accent, and the one I can't do. Really quickly, when I when I was with Warner Brothers, I had to take a dialects coaching lesson specifically about English dialects and London has 32 different dialects, Mm -hmm. and Liverpool has one, right? You can always tell somebody from Liverpool, because they talk, they they, they always talk like they're asking a question, like, have you seen my hair? Like the Beatles. Where did it go? It's running down the road. (laughs) (laughs) They talk, like, everything's a question. Or you can tell us somebody's from Cardiff, or you can tell us somebody's from Newcastle, or... 
You know, and I, I thought that was really interesting that, that you can literally, there we go again, we're going to get on that, Dave, literally. I can literally. Um, that, that's the next topic, by the way, Carol. The next topic for your consideration yeah. is words not commonly used but are used incorrectly. Yeah. yeah. That's next on Two Fat Morons Save <laughs> the World. But I digress for the fourth time. It's a moronic thing. <laughs> it's in the title. I'm allowed. So, um, but it's amazing that you can go from Chelsea in London. I've never been to London. I've got friends, you know, that have been there that said you can literally, like, literally walk across the street and get two or three different dialects at the store across the street from three different neighborhoods. Yeah, I think it has. Uh, you've been to London, guys. I mean, is that yes? It has everything to do with the fact that when the language, as the language was evolving, there was no transportation. I mean, you if you grew up in uh, in Cockney or or whatever that the area is with the Cockney accent, you just developed that accent and you never heard anything else because you never moved more than a mile from where you were born. Um, and so these regional accents developed. And it, uh, it wasn't until we developed transportation or widespread transportation through horses and, you know, whatever that's like that's when things started to, to mix up, right? And people started to say, well, you talk differently than me. You must be from here. But it is fascinating that England, <laughs> um, being a relatively small geographical area, mm-hmm. has such a wide and diverse uh, linguistic dialect it, or, or accent base. Thir- it's because you don't have to go very far. In London? I know, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, and they're so regionalized and, and so distinct. Yeah. It, it, that has fascinated me, too, where you geographically you have someone like Canada, and our accents are f- fairly neutral. They're, they are fairly neutral accents that, uh, from coast to coast. We do have a few words that are different, which is interesting, but... We are also an infantile country. I mean, I don't mean in behavior. I mean, we are... Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. But, I mean, as a country, we are, what, 150-some-odd years old, you know? No, it's... I'm glad you clarified, because I was about to say, speak for yourself, you big baby. But anyway... <laughs> no accents. Talking in- about words, infantile. Oh, come on. That was funny. Come on, Dave. Infantile. Our mm. art. Mm. Man, okay, so I just I just looked this up because I'm a giant math nerd, and, wow. and then we'll get back on the English language. That that is one dialect for every 50 square kilometers in London, and that is that is not a very big amount of area when you think of like 32 dialects in one city is insane. Mm-hmm. 50 insane. square kilometer, but but it's London, accents. 30, 30 yeah, million people, yeah, accents. yeah, it's but, accents. Yeah. Or sorry, yeah, sorry, huge, accents. There's, there, there's almost as many people. There's almost as many people living in London as in Canada. Right, mm-hmm. so that does kind of astound oh, me wow. that there's so mm-hmm. many accents and so many people in that one area. Um, but yeah, so I mean, going so moving on to that whole thing about commonly used words that aren't exactly what they they don't mean what people exactly think they mean. Um, I think um, Dave and Jeremy, you guys compiled a pretty good list there when we were on our meeting the other day. I'd like to run some of these by Carolyn and see if there's a inconceivable origin for why <laughs> irregardless inconceivable. that's a great one irregardless, irregardless yep. yeah. <laughs> oh that's that's the that's the all-time grand champion hall of famer there is no word irregardless that drives me crazy where does that come from it's an error <laughs> it's it's one of those wrong words that everybody uses that people now think is fine well i and from from a structural point of view, they have 
you have regardless, and they want to, and somebody decided that they wanted to do something of, that was like the opposite of regardless, and they correctly used ear because it precedes an R in that situation. <laughs> they didn't say unregardless or disregardless, although disregard is a word. Uh, so it became irregardless. And because it sounds like it should be a word, because it follows the rules, it's used as a word. You know, it's the same as why does ravel or why do ravel and unravel mean the same thing? Right. Yes. Yeah. Flammable and inflammable. Flammable and inflammable. <laughs> yeah, which which we kind of talked about that one, but you said there was a bit of an explanation for that, right, Terry? For flammable and inflammable. Yeah, there was. The, the usage. But, but but the in modern lexic in modern lexicon, it, it what we had talked about was that flammable and inflammable typically tend to mean the same thing in people's minds, but a flammable substance is something that can be ignited through an oxygen source. An inflammable, uh, correct me if I'm and I'm trying to remember, because uh, I just looked it up that day, guys, but I, I seem, seem to remember that inflammable means that it's a substance that can be um, subject to burning. That that you one's to start a fire and one, mm -hmm. yeah, one's mm -hmm. a, one's to start a fire and one is something that can be yeah. set on fire. Yeah. So one's a noun and one's an adjective. Well, people get famous. Well, people get famous and infamous mm -hmm. mixed yep. up too. And those are two distinct mm -hmm. are two words yeah, that don't get used one. correctly. So hey, what 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 do they what does that mean? That's a great one. What's the difference between infamous and famous? Well, I think that well, generally, generally speaking, and I, I mean, I could be completely incorrect. I could be uncorrect. Irregardless, I'd like to hear it. That you know. Famous you know, is famous being well is known being well known for a good reason, and good reason than infamous is being notorious. rather notorious or evil in your in your fame. Right, Tom Hanks is famous, Hanks but but, famous, uh, but, uh, but it, yeah. yeah, who Donald, Donald Trump, Trump is infamous? Is infamous. So. I, I guess I that's. So I was trying so hard to not pull that. But one. But I've heard us. very reputable people, including like television news anchors on CNN and and things refer to infamous people uh, that were not considered evil people. I know. So it's, I think it's easy to get confused. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they become interchangeable. Right. And how much of the wrong language enters into our language as modern, um, you know, as modern um, everyday speech that's actually wrong? And, you know, inconceivable <laughs> is a great one. Uh, you know, princess, who doesn't love Princess Bride? But I've got, a, I've got a few more here, and I'd like to get your opinion on whether they're words or not. Um, these are a few that me and uh, Dave and J-Dub came up with a couple of days ago. Um, funnily. Funnily enough. Funnily well, enough. It's, yeah. I, I guess that it depends how you define a word. Because, again, if you go back to uh, Jabberwocky or if you go back mm -hmm. to Beowulf or if you go back to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy are those words Ooh. and a word is a symbol that has meaning but that's understood by the speaker and the listener or the writer and the reader so if somebody says funnily then i have a notion i have a an idea of what that symbol means and so i understand what they're saying so in that way it doesn't break the rules for a word uh is it in the dictionary is it in the the Oxford OCE, I don't. Or funnest. 
<laughs> funnest does not no. work. No, and here's one. Here's one that I hear. <laughs> here's here's one that I hear a lot, and and it bugs me, and I can I have to bite my tongue. Orientate. Oh, versus orient. Versus orient. Yeah, I'm. I've been orientated. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I orientation. Yep. Um, versus orienteering are very very different things. Right. Right. And and it should be. Yes, I went to orientation or I was oriented or I need to orient myself with. But I'm not orientated. Say, but you're not orientated. No, you're, you're oriented. Not. Yeah, that yeah. is that is. Well, hold, I'll, hold I'll on. vote for that one as being a, I, I thought, a pet peeve. I thought. I thought the word orientator was a word like you know Japanese fr- French fried potatoes. <laughs> Oh, come on, guys. That was ar, funny. Ar, ar. Come on. Throw me a bone. Uh, oh, <laughs> throw you a potato. Yeah. Everybody see a laugh. Ar, 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 the, seal of a, the seal of approval? Orientator. You're thinking of dictator. The seal of maybe. approval. How about, how, about, uh, how about this one? Um, now, this this one caused some con- confusion between uh, Consternation? Dave, Jeremy, and I. Apparently, the word... No, apparently, there's a good word, huh? Apparently, the word definitely is not supposed to be a word. I think it's always because spelt it's wrong. something that's been adopted as a word. No, it's 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 always is that what it spelt is? wrong. I so definitely spell it wrong every time. Yeah, definitely is is a word, but a lot of people yeah. spell it wrong. <laughs> definitely with an a, definitely instead of definitely. 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 Yes. Yes. To come from the word finite. So it is a word, though, Carolyn. Right. As far as I know, <laughs> but what do okay. I know? <laughs> well, let's okay. So let's talk about let's talk about words in their in their past tense, okay? Because we see this all the time. Swim, swam, or swum. Mm-hmm. To swim, okay. I I went for a swim. Did I sw- did I, sw- I I swam yesterday or I swum yesterday? I swam yesterday. Swam. Okay. Unless you wanted to say you went for a swim, or I went for a swim. Right. That's right. But then then there's another one that's sneak. I I sneak. Is the past tense sneaked or snuck? If snuck. you're British, if you're British, it's sneaked. <laughs> right. <gasps> no that way. Right? That's North, really real. If you're North American, it is snuck. Snuck, really? So snuck is a word. Snuck is a word. Really? Wow. Okay. Sneaked just sounds really? odd to me. Yeah. I know it does, doesn't it? Wow. Fishes. Do I have a school of fish, or are there many fishes? Oh, there are what? many. T- there are many types of fishes in the ocean, and I am going to collect 100 fish. Right. Okay. Okay. There are many fish in the ocean, but that sounds right to me. There are many fish in the ocean. As fish is fishes. the plural. Right. If there, are, if you're talking about the number of species of fish, there are many types of fishes. Is that right? Does yes. that apply to deer and deers as well? No, then? deers is not a word. <laughs> <laughs> not. Okay. So I'm going to bring up something. Oh, that, we have a we have a question oh, from the gallery. Yes. So I'm still gobsmacked here a little bit by snuck. I mean, dress me up and call me kitty, people. Is that actually really a word in a dictionary? Snuck? Ask, snuck? <laughs> Ask uh, Mr. Webster. I was going to say, like, changed I sn- the language dramatically. Snuck? Dramatically. Wow. So on that note, then, here, let me bring up one that, that's really popular. Everybody, that I hear everybody gets wrong. Hung and hanged. What he was hanged for the offense of murder. Um, you hung an ornament from your Christmas That's tree. That's correct. Yeah. Are both of those correct? Yes. 
right? But you can't hung a man for for murder. He well, was hung. He wasn't he was hung, hung for murder. He, he was, was he was hung for being a criminal. Well, ag- that? again, that's no, there's yeah, a, I was say there's a difference. No, it's, I think it's there's hanged. yeah, it's, he was hanged by the neck until dead. Yep. Yes. In the legal right. system, it was certainly hanged. And again, it's my understanding and I could be again is that it that's a differentiation now that's seen between British English and North American English is the difference between hanged and hung. It was my, always my understanding that hanged referred to the method of capital punishment and hung mm. is like he the ch- stockings were hung by the chimney mm-hmm. with care. The stockings were hanged by the chimney oh, right. with care. Right? That just sounds wrong. <laughs> well, it is wrong. It is wrong. <laughs> we, wrong. we hanged Good the stockings one, with great reverence. Ooh. Yeah, and a noose. Oh, Dave, a I love you. That was absolutely brilliant. Okay, so I want to bring something up that has literally bothered me for many, many, many years. How literally? Literally. literally. <laughs> for many, many years. years. Literally. Plural tenses on organization names group names oh okay okay um microsoft like, like moose Google, and Mises? apple the apple corporation when you refer to those i've heard it many times that they say apple are bringing out a new product or google are coming out with a new thing i've heard this many times uh microsoft are coming out with a new operating system whereas it seems to me that an organization that is a plural of people or a, an organization of people should be ref- should be referred to in as singular. a singular. But I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. Um, putting a plural on a singular name, like 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 whatever company name are doing this is instead of Microsoft is coming out with something. What mm-hmm. is right? Do you? Well, I guess it depends to whom you speak. But I would suggest that because it's a proper noun, that and that it is singular. I would say Google is the so company called mm-hmm. Google is because if you look at it that way, the company called Microsoft is. Uh, the but then the reverse also happens. You say, well, the data is suggesting. Well, data is plural. Mm-hmm. But but data are suggesting. <laughs> the data are close. suggesting but, because nobody uses the word datum. Which is the singular datum? Mm. Yeah, datum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I, I have a I have a quick question. Um, besides sounding pretentious, when do we actually use who versus whom? And I know that that's that's a, a bit of a segue, <laughs> but I do hear it wrong all the time on both sides. Right. So what's you, the rules? You would use whom the same way you would use him. So if you would think about at when would you use he and when would you use him, is the same rule that you would apply to. When do you use third who person. and when do you use whom? Mm-hmm. Like it's to whom, mm-hmm. or I gave the book to him, whom now owns yeah. the book. Who now owns? Who the now book. owns? Because he now owns the book. Mm. That's a head scratcher. Oh, there we go. The way See? that I was taught that was that. So Jeremy, the way that I and Carolyn, correct me if I'm wrong. The way that I was taught that was the simple way to remember it was, it's third person. Who is first person, second person, and whom is third person? Like to whom mm. am I speaking? I gave the book to him. Um, she is about to take acting lesson, lessons. That's a first, a second, and a third person. Right. Um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conversation. I don't know what the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's the same. So if it's what preceded else, by two, it's there's, boom. There's also the usage of me and I. Him and I, or him and me, or my mom oh, and me one. went to the mall, which is very wrong. But I, <laughs> and we teach our kids this all the time because we hear it with our kids all the time. And it's like, mom and me went to the mall. You hear it. I mean, that's a very common phrase. But it's, did me go to the mall? No. I went to the mall. So mom and I went to the mall, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you know if you're using it correct, incorrectly correct. or correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just, I hear that all the time. Me is another one, like whom and her and him, where it's like to me yeah. or with me. It's preceded by some kind of preposition. Mm-hmm. Give that, don't give, don't forget we're just talking English, guys, and English is not a normal regular language. It is not. If you spoke, it's probably like one of French the or Spanish hardest. Or Italian. Yeah. It's a lot more regular. Yeah, I've been. I've got a friend that is teaching, or he well, he went to Japan to teach English in Japan. He now doesn't even um, speak English well. He speaks Japanese fluently, but he well, last time I talked to this gentleman, his English his English was so bad. I was absolutely shocked because um, he'd spent all of his time teaching and speaking you know Japanese and he had just forgotten how to speak English right and I think that that happens with people when they when they drop their word usage then their vocabulary suffers I think that you know their their entire language kind of tends to suffer I know me happen with that all time so did he so he spoke Japan English Japan English <laughs> like Fringlish and yeah. Chinglish <laughs> well it's and, and Japanese and English Japanese and English are absolutely opposite too in terms of sentence structure and, and uh, the whole well, syntax yeah, is thank you for making too. the point for me yeah so thanks for making the point for me because Japanese is actually such a logical regular language this gentleman told me that and English is not that he just gave up on English after a while because Japanese just flowed so um, so well. And I, from what I understand, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, a lot of the Asian languages are like that. And it's one of the reasons why they have such a hard time, those cultures, learning our language, English, is because our language is pretty bastardized. It's pretty irregular, it's right? Borrowed. Um, borrowed. On the other hand, we can pick up German pretty da pretty darn easier. Pretty darn easy. Easier? Much easier. <laughs> darn easier. Yeah. Listen, darn easier. Listen, easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I mean, that, that would be, um, what was the word you said before? Uh, anyway, so Dave brought up the word Google, which has the very unique distinction of being both a verb, a noun, and a product name that's become part of our lexicon. And we were talking, uh, Carolyn, about some of the, you know, some of the, the, the brand names that have since become nouns. Yep. You know, or even verbs for Kleenex. some of our, our, you know, modern language. Kleenex is it one. What uh, were some of the other it, ones we came up with, guys? To, 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 to talk about Google, Google has only recently become a brand name since 1998, I think, when it started, and became a verb I, since, yeah, I think that's since right, yeah. the search engine. I Googled myself, but it's based on a word that is one, that is Google, one with 100 zeros after it, but that is spelled differently than Google, mm -hmm. the company. Because the, the name of Google oh. for the number is spelled G-O-O-G-O-L. And Google is spelled G-O-O-G-L-E. Because yeah, they, use, they use that as plus. like kind of a mashup. Like, hey, this is, a, this is a number kind of word. Let's just twist it a bit and make it into our brand name. Mm -hmm. And so there's a proper noun that has become verbified. And mm -hmm. we do that constantly. Mm -hmm. We do that. And Tara, you have a list of... of of 
corporate branding names that have kind of entered our vernacular. There's another word. Love it. Our vernacular, mm-hmm. our regular speak, Vernal, everyday speak. Hmm? Yeah, so yeah. Carolyn, we came up with, we just play a little bit of a game here. Let's see if we can find some more. Um, Jeremy and Dave and I came up with Kleenex, I think you, you, you said. Spandex, which Spandex. nobody uses spandex anymore. They call it lycra or nylon now, right? Friends don't let friends wear spandex. Xerox, there's a word that does. <laughs> well, and Xerox was, Xerox right now, was a, problem a, with that? a great word because it follows, again, it follows the rules of the combination of sounds in English and it had never been used before and it was a name of a, a brand that could then be I Xeroxed mm-hmm. it, but now it's becoming obsolete. Mm-hmm. Nobody Xerox because anymore. we don't right. Xerox things. It's Gestetner. There's another one. Gestetner, yep. And uh, you know, <laughs> Jer- I know. If you Jeremy's see the- going like, I don't even know okay. what Gestetner means. Jeremy's a young guy and just has no idea what a Gestetner is. And I remember Gestetner was the triple. Yeah. The triple carbon. Do you remember the triple yeah. page thing? You no, had he, he probably no, doesn't. He probably <laughs> not. We'll have a chat. And some after. of them were purple, like the ink was purple. Well, typewriter, typewriter is is you know headed out the proverbial window. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally. I, I'm excited. I totally forgot about that. Hey, would you go Gestetner that for me? I, I yeah. totally remember that as a kid. Now. Well, and he had special stylus things to. To yeah. use on a Gestetner. I know when my father passed away, we opened his desk drawer and there were six sets of Gestetner tools mm-hmm. and so and a sli- and slide rules. There were slide rules everywhere. What about the word fax? It's that it's short for facsimile, which we don't use, but the word fax doesn't seem to mm-hmm. exist anymore either, right? Do we still use that word? No, all of these words are becoming more obsolete as the products fall out of favor. Records. The the word fax is actually still surprisingly prevalent. As a guy who builds websites for a living, I still get clients that, that have fax numbers. If you look at my website, it says fax. Like it says phone number, phone number, fax. Does anyone do this anymore after the <laughs> fax number? Um, because, you know, email has kind of replaced um, written communication or the transmission of written communication. But facts, they, there's still quite a few places that do that because it's mm-hmm. considered more secure. I was going to say email from my, from my, um, my previous employee, that's kind of where we would use a lot to communicate between doctor's offices and our clinic would be faxes. Cause you can't do things in email. You can't talk over the phone that's right. because of all the privacy issues, but you can send a digital fax, which is essentially an email. It never made it's sense not to me, though, but because it's going over uh, a secured landline oh, point to point. It's it's a digital mach- mm. it's a digital thing, but it's not going over the internet. Uh, I I don't want to create too big of a divergence, but a- a- anyway, it, we still used it a lot. Yeah. Well, the irony with a fax though is that it ended up in the fax machine in usually a public place in an office That's where right. anybody could pick, could pick it, up it up and put it right. on your desk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we were talking about the word Cadillac being used as mm. a euphemism for something else, right? Like, oh, you know, the this is the Cadillac of this, or, you know, uh, Jeremy brought up one, this is the champagne of this. We don't mm. hear that kind of phraseology so much anymore, and not because Cadillac isn't a thing, or champagne isn't a thing, um, but people don't talk in those kinds of euphemisms anymore, Carolyn. Could, do you agree with that, or do you still find that people still say things that are comparative in a way to 
um, make something um, comparable to luxury. To luxury. Oh yes, that example was the bee's right? knees. We don't <laughs> <laughs> bee's knees. God, I love that. I was almost going to say that. I love that. that. One. You know, or the the. Cats meow or the cats whisker. The cats are used a lot. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, where's that one come from? Like, why are they? Where does that come from? I I hear Bob's your uncle all the time. What's Bob's your uncle? What the hell does that even mean? (laughs) What does that mean? I don't have an uncle Bob. Yeah, you could do an entire (laughs) segment on figurative language and and ambiguity and and humor and how humor is based on ambiguity. It's uh Words are magnificent devices, and you were talking about emails and texting replacing the written word, and uh, it's it's always interesting, too, to note that emails or texts are good for exchanging information, but they are not very good for communication. <laughs> so. Well, they're good. They're, they're good. I, I actually know yeah, the origin. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, of Bob's Your Uncle? No, of uh, Bee's Knees. Oh, It's actually, uh, this is a kind of... Yeah, it's kind of a cool story. Do you guys know where it comes from? Oh, no. Any idea? Hmm. Never thought of it. Comes from the nose uh, aircraft. It comes. Uh, you you don't right because you don't hear it very often. But it, it, it disinterests me because it's such a fascinating uh, origin story. It comes from um, the nose art on uh, bombers during World War II. Really? Because all of the nose art typically were like pinup girls. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in order to fit the nose cone, all of the knees on the ladies had to be bent oh, like at a right knees. angle. Right. Oh, so to have somebody say, oh, that, that girl, she's the bee's knees meant that she was an all right woman. Like she had a, a she was the perfect girl. She was good enough to be on the nose cone. So does the bee then represent like like the B-52, like the bee. Bomber. The bomber. Yeah. Bo- exactly. On the nose of a Lancaster. Is that right? Well, I never really even thought of that because I just thought, do bees even have knees? That's cool. (laughs) That is cool. I didn't know that. I want to talk about words that kind of sound dirty, but aren't. That are real words that kind of maybe sound dirty. Like... Kumquat. Kumquat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Gingivitis. (laughs) <laughs> Gingivitis. This is this is this is one. Now we we had this argument the other day about the the dirtiest word, the word that sounded the dirtiest. And Terry, your word was cunning linguist. No, <laughs> cunning linguist. Yeah, it's two words. A, we are all cunning. Word. It's a it's a phrase. We are, we are all cunning linguists here. But you came up with moist, moist, or to speak moistly. And there goes half the viewers. <laughs> now, I challenged you. I challenged you. I think the dirtiest word that I've heard that isn't dirty is bunghole. And a bunghole, do you know what a bunghole is? A bunghole is in a rum cask. It's the hole that you put <laughs> the, uh, the the stopper in or the bung to keep it, to keep the rum yes, from coming Yes, that's the out. original yes. interpretation of it. Yes, until oh, there another it, one? I think it may have changed. <laughs> until, oh. until Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I need some TP for my <laughs> bunghole. <laughs> okay. Um, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, if you could see the look on Lady Carolyn's face the moment that Dave uttered the term bunghole, it... 
truly, truly was priceless. That 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 picture is a keeper. Yes, yes. What about? What about to masticate? Ooh, oh, that's great a good one. word. But that's ooh. a good one. To chew, yes. To chew. I always liked. Uh, I always like dongle. Because that one made me giggle for a long time until you're like, oh, crap, that's still used. Can, can you pass me your <laughs> dongle? <Yeah>. No. <laughs> I don't have it out. Well, I think that some of these words, too, you you mentioned it when you were talking about Beavis and Butthead, that they were perfectly fine words. And then it's all in the delivery or it's all in the... Uh, 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 environment of of the or the context the mentality of how it's of used the, or the, the mentality, mentality of the speaker. <laughs> so it's they, some of these f- absolutely fine words. Some of them are like, "What were you thinking the first time round?" Um, have changed because of social media or because of contextual cues or because of delivery. You know, that's right. to sing moistly. When I heard like, people, you can't sing because people sing moistly. What? <laughs> that, that was the word invented, invented by our heard. intrepid prime minister <laughs> to speak moistly. Oh, God. I always cringe when I hear of someone who has to go to the penal colony. Okay. Well, since we're not sending very many people off to a <laughs> penal colony anymore. needs to be severely Whoa. penalized. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yes, the magic of words. <laughs> I, I like this one, uh, a knob stick. A knob stick. A knob stick. It's a it's a an old nickname for a walking stick or a truncheon. Oh, yeah. very nice. Yeah. Get a handle yeah. on your what's knob a So uh, what's a tr- what's a what's a truncheon? <laughs> what's a truncheon? <laughs> yes, exactly. How do we it's save? How do we save the world this week, Terry? What are we running out of time? Oh my God. Carol and J Dub, we're running out of time. Well, you know, sometimes oh, man. L- let's. Let's be honest. It's been a weird, wacky kind of a time for all of us. And, you know, sometimes it's just it's just good to have fun. We had a great episode about, you know, uh, with a guest about COVID. And and Dave and uh, Dave came to me afterward and said, you know, we really got to start doing some fun stuff. And I've got a great idea. I've, I've got this, you know, groovy chick. There's two words that don't you don't hear very much anymore. Groovy, <laughs> groovy and chick. Groovy and chick. <laughs> oh, that's mint. <laughs> that's that's mint. mint, isn't it? It's aces, daddy-o. It's aces. Uh, Dave said, we got to do something fun. And I, let's, let's talk about words. And we spent the next, uh, you know, a little bit of the holiday period coming up with a, a list of words. And we only got to maybe, what, guys, 30 or 40% of the word list that we came up with? Like, there's some great ones here still. Mm-hmm. You know, like stovepipe, janky, hinky, troll, woke. What does woke mm-hmm. mean? I still have no woke. idea. I hear all the kids oh, these days goodness. going, oh, baby, that's so woke. I have no idea what that means, man. So, I mean, we're going well, to have to... Well, they wouldn't know what groovy you... means, so... There you go. Well, um, would you be willing to come back and do another session with us, another uh, recording with us? Uh, you know, let's let's call it you know, fun with words, part two on two fat morons save the world. Absolutely. Would you be willing to do that for us? This has awesome. been fun so, with words. It has. It has. Yeah, so that's that's how it's we good time. that's how we save the world today, gentlemen. Is we had fun with words today, and um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest something to save the world. I want okay people who are listening to this to think about the words that they're using, and to use new words. I mean, there's there's plenty of places where you can find a word of the day. Okay, let me look up word of the day there. Find me today's word of the day. From All right. Anywhere, uh, I'll, from I'll find today's word and of the day. I think, you know, 
by simply thinking about how you're communicating, not only verbally, but in writing. We talked about, oh. you know, people who write wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. They write wrong um, and speak wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's today's word of the day? So today's word of the well, day is actually one that uh, Dave Terry and I talked about a couple of days ago. Depending on where you go, anyway, I, I got the Merriam-Webster one, and it's pugilism. 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 Uh, there we go. We mentioned this word yeah. the other day. Yeah, to be a pugilist. That that's a better Boxing Day word of the day. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yes. Day 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 awesome. yeah. um, to perform fisticuffs. Was, um, to pu- To pugilate. <laughs> to pugilate. <laughs> That'll get you penalized. Mine is the word mariner or mariner. Jeremy, mine was... Mariner or Mariner or Mariner. The rhyme of the ancient Mariner. Yes, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, yes. Um, Yes. But I hear, on the West Coast, I hear Mariner a lot, and on the East Coast, I hear Mariner a lot. Well, I'm a Maritimer. Apparently, they're both right. Oh. Maritimer, you're not a Maritimer. I've never heard Mariner. I've never heard Mariner. Mariner. I've never heard Mariner. Spend some time in Portland and Seattle. It's a whole segment. What about yours, Dave? What's your weird word of the day? I don't know. Sheeple. Do I have day? to find one? Sheeple. Oh, That's a good one. That's See, okay, so the word sheep is a word that's now used angrily today to mean someone who... Blindly follows. Blindly follows something. And in, you know, in the past year, of course, it's 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 angrily referred to people who wear masks, who protect themselves from disease, who follow the group, and those people are sheep or sheeple. Mm. And unfortunately, I think it's a, I mean, sheep are wonderful animals. <laughs> I don't think we should be, you know, but well, there's they protection live in, a in a herd. They That's live in the a whole herd. Point. That's yeah. the whole point. That's we live in a herd. Point. If you don't want to be a sheep, get out of the herd. Right? Yeah, that that word is cringeworthy to me too. It yeah, is. It is cringeworthy. So how how we save the world is is to think about language, think about how you're talking, use new words. And this is not a plug, but it's a really really fun book to read if you're interested at all in words and word use and punctuation and stuff. Is Lynn Truss's uh, "Eat Shoots and Leaves." It is so well written. You will be laughing at uh, lack of things like punctuation or ready to have a wake for the <laughs> adverb. Awesome. And, and I'm actually just going to add one more to that. And it's something you actually gave to us as we were doing some of our pre-show oh, work the- is uh, The Chaos by Gerald Nost. You could say that last name. Tr- Trinité? Oh, Trinité, I think. Trinité. Okay. Um, it, you know, it's a, it's a poem from 1922, and it actually contains 800 of the most irregular words in English. Try and get through it. it it's fascinating. It is fascinating. We'll leave a, a, a link to it in the show notes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, we are way over time. But, uh, Carolyn, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for joining us again. Um, I believe this is permanent now. You are now our crack team of researchers, correct, Jeremy? I believe that is uh, that is the arrangement going forward, yes? Yes. Excellent. I, I mean, anytime I'm welcome back, I will take it. So we're going to wrap this up. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Terry. He's Dave. Say goodbye, Dave. Goodbye, Dave. Oh, we didn't even say we're out to... <laughs> to... One more on at a time. <laughs>
Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you folks later. Thanks, Carolyn. Toodaloo. Take care, everyone. It's Two Fat Morons Save the World. The world is a messed up place, and they're going to save it. (laughs) Produced by Dave Cruikshank and Terry Nihill. Music by Epidemic Sound. Two Fat Morons is a presentation of the Plugged In Media Network and is not intended to be taken seriously by anyone. Check out all our other great podcasts at pluggedinmedia.ca or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.